Hey, do you love the Lord this morning? Say yes. You can do better than that. Do you love the Lord this morning? Say yes. Now, I want you, I want you to do me a favor for just a moment. We'll get the, the mic uh, honed in a little bit. But uh, I want you to look around, and I want you to see who's sitting close to you, across the aisle from you, and I want you to make note of a couple key things. First off, this is a multi-generational church. Come on, we can we clap for that? We got folks that are brand new babies in Jesus. We got folks that have been in the ministry and been in this thing a long time. We got folks that got a little bit more uh, life on the tires and some of that are brand new. And so I am just so grateful to have a multi-generational church. But I'm also so grateful that we have a multi-racial church. Come on, can you give the Lord a hand? Come on, he's so good. You look around, you got black folk worshiping with white folk, worshiping with Hispanic folk, with Asian folk. And we say it like this around here, if you don't like black people, don't go to heaven. You don't like white folk, don't go to heaven. Don't go. You don't like Hispanic folk, Asian folk, you so mad about all of them, let me just tell you, don't go to heaven. Because we're going to spend forever together. So we better figure it out right here, right now. Are you with me? Say yes. So that's what we're doing at Hill City. I mean, you got somebody sitting across the aisle that does not vote the way you vote. Does not, does not post what you like to post about. But they're still the body of Christ. And we're still one in Jesus. And we better learn how to work this thing out. So here at Hill City, we're learning it. We're figuring it out. It's, we got bruises because of it. I mean, my wife all the time, she'll scoot over and won't stand next to me and worship. I said, what's wrong? Why you won't stand? She goes, because you worship me. You hit me every time you elbow me. And I said, baby, that's love taps. I don't know what you're doing. You better get to worship in the same way and hit me back. And that's kind of what happens is when you're running race with folks that aren't necessarily like, we bump into each other. But thank you, Jesus, that he came, that all men would be set free. And he says, in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek nor Gentile nor black nor white nor Hispanic. I translated that into modern terms. But that's exactly what the scriptures teach in that we're one in Christ and everything else has to submit to that. Are you with me? Say yes. Hey, I am so excited because we're just days away from Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday, guys. Let me just tell you, if, if you're new to Christianity, you're new to God, or maybe you've been away from the Lord and you've been coming back, or you've been around the, uh, you know, in the things of God for a long time, I just want to remind you that Jesus Christ died so that we could live. If he doesn't die on that cross, we don't have any opportunity to know the Father. If he doesn't make a way that there's this great chasm between God and man. If he doesn't lay that cross across that thing so that we can cross over to God, then none of us, none of us, none of us can live the life of joy and peace and have eternity awaiting us for heaven. And friend, I'm telling you something, this is the greatest celebration time for a believer is Easter. And I'm so excited about our Easter services. And uh, I, just, I, just, I just can't wait. And I promise you our Easter services are going to be really good. I won't preach for four hours. I mean, I, I know you love it, but I have to tone it down a little bit. We'll do three services here at the Cedar Hill campus, two services there um, with our Mansfield campus and we'll do two services uh, online with our online campus and uh, you'll see the time frames 9 a.m. that'll change a little bit here at Cedar Hill excuse me that stays the same but we'll move to a 2 1030 and then 1145 to get the three services in and uh, if you could if you're regulars to the church or you're leaders of some sort if you could park towards the back around the back of the building to free up space for anyone who might be new we see people and they tell us that even now especially our second service they'll drive around looking for a parking space and we've actually seen people just drive out because they couldn't find a parking space so we don't want that for Easter because the recent statistics show that 84% of those people who've been away from God kind of out of church maybe 84% of them will actually respond positively to anyone who asks them to come to an Easter service. They're open to Easter services and Christmas services, even though they may not be going to church. So I'd encourage you, take one of the little cards that, we, that we're handing out to you, invite a friend, a neighbor. We're only going to do about a 65-minute service. We'll take communion at the end of it. We'll, we'll be with the Lord in the deep things of God, but also we'll explain the gospel in a real clear way for any friend or neighbor or coworker that you might be uh, caring to see them get closer to God, I would highly encourage you to believe them. And then we're doing something else real special. We've been fighting through. We've had a word from the Lord to open an Arlington campus for some time now. And uh, we have just fought and fought and fought. The strong men, will, uh, not to be super spiritual, but man, it has just been this thing that we take three steps forward and four steps backwards. But I'm happy to report one of the young couples in our church is willing to open up their home. So on Good Friday in Arlington, we're going to do a, a, a home service 
service there in Arlington and gather a bunch of folks. And so if you live in Arlington or you want to be in Arlington, you have this thing in your heart, that campus is coming online. And if you'd like to join us for that, uh, that Good Friday service in that, in that living room with us, Miss Jamie and I will be there. We're going to be bringing the fuego del Espíritu Santo. And we're going to be having a good time on Good Friday. Sorry, Anglos. Sorry, Gringos. Um, so, so how can they get information on that? Okay, yeah, stop by the small group comments on the way out. Say, hey, I, PA said something about the Arlington, uh, you know, meeting, and I'd like to get, be a part of that or like to check in with that. All right, you guys ready to get in the Word today? Say yes. You can do better than that. Say, are you ready to get in the Word today? Say yes. All right, we're in a little mini-series that we've titled Road to the Cross. And how many of you guys were here last week or attended online last week and you heard that? So we started with this whole concept that, um, that Jesus, this last week or so, leading up to the cross and what was happening that last week i would imagine if you were keeping track of someone great who knew that they were going to die and what they did the last week of their life would be pretty impactful probably a summary if you will of their life we actually call that passion week and it starts with the sunday before the resurrection and that sunday jesus has this triumphal entry into jerusalem we actually spoke about that last week and gave you some great teaching from that then on monday jesus goes into the temple and he Clears it out, just kind of giving you a little history of the last week of Jesus' life here on the planet. And then on Tuesday, he taught on the Mount of Olives, some of his best teachings. And then Wednesday, we don't have any clear clarity on what, really what he was doing, other than we believe he was resting at Bethany, um, you know, at Lazarus' his home. And then on Thursday was the Last Supper, which we're going to actually cover today. Friday, they crucified him. Saturday, he was in the grave, and then Sunday, he resurrected. Come on, somebody. And I can't wait to celebrate Resurrection Sunday with you. And as you look through the teachings of the life and teachings of Jesus Christ, you find them pretty much um, cultivated in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in those four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they have a total of 89 scriptures. You know, the book of John has 21 and the different ones, and they total 89. Of those 89 chapters, the Gospels cover, 29 of those chapters cover the last week of Jesus' life. The last week of Jesus' life on this planet. In other words, the four Gospels take one-third of all of the writing to cover the last week. And so in the 33 years of Jesus' life on the planet, one-third of all of the chapters of the four Gospels are about that last week. So if the Bible considers it pretty important, then we consider it pretty important ourselves. <clears throat> so with that being said, <clears throat> the book of John is where we're going to draw from a little bit throughout uh, this teaching today. And, um, but we're going to start with the book of Luke. So turn with me to Luke chapter 22 and verse 7. 22 and 7. It says, And then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb... Had to be this. Had to be this. The, excuse me. The Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, "Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover." Where do you want us to prepare for it? They asked, and he replied, "As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters, and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples.'" He will show you a large upper room, all furnished, make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Now let me just kind of give you a middle picture of what's transpiring. So what's happening right now is the Passover festival, the Passover feast, if you will. Jewish people from around the regions, hours, days, have traveled to Jerusalem for this giant festival. You think the pickle parade was big in Mansfield. You think the Mardi Gras takes over New Orleans. You need to understand, they came, this was a religious duty. This was their spiritual journey moment. This is like going to Medjugorje for Catholic folks. Like, they are coming from all around for this moment, once a year, for the big pa this big Passover moment. And so, if you, if you pay attention, when we opened up in verse 7, it says, Then came the day of unleavened then came the day the day it's supposed to be celebrated on that day so it's this today's the day jesus says to his disciples hey go on into jerusalem and uh and, and and get us a place to have the meal now let me just back you up for a little bit jesus telling them to do that is like a dude who's been married 25 years on february 14th 
getting off of work at 5 o'clock and starting to call around to find out where he's going to take his wife to dinner on Valentine's Day, the day of, and thinking that he's going to find reservations somewhere nice. It, it would be paramount to putting the wife in the car and driving, driving to the upscale restaurant district in Dallas and getting out of the car and going, I don't know where, but we're going to find a place. Good luck, sucker. That, su that stuff has been reserved for days, weeks, months. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever done that? So Jesus says, don't worry about it. Go into the city and you'll see a dude carrying a jar. Follow him. Now, first off, that's creepy in and of itself. Imagine being the guy with the jar and these guys are following you. Follow wherever he goes. Wherever he goes, whatever house he enters. Now, you have to understand, the Jewish people who lived in Jerusalem... They would Airbnb their different rooms, their little extra houses. They, would, they literally would Airbnb these spaces so all the people coming in, they would rent them a room to have Passover. I mean, this was, I mean, this was, like, this was like Christmas, before, the day before Christmas sales. Like everybody, I mean, the shelves are empty because people are coming in, they're buying everything so that they can have this, this spiritual celebratory meal of the Passover. So Jesus says, listen, you'll find a dude You'll see him carrying a jar. Follow him. Go wherever he goes. And wherever he goes, go to the owner of that space and say, hey, the master has need of a room. Where is it? Not, hey, do you have any room? The master sent us to get the room. Which says to me, not only is my Jesus always, always watching, always knowing. But here's the thing I would help you understand. No matter what you need of, if you're doing God's business... He will cause others to give to you what they won't give to anybody else. You just need to understand that. You say, Pastor, I cannot get any sales. Get to doing God's business. Get to being faithful to the things of the Lord. And you'll get sales that other people can't get. You'll get accounts that no one else is able to get. So they walk into the city. They see the dude with the jar. They follow the guy with the jar. The guy's following. Okay, they follow. They say, excuse me, uh, as they come into this place. They say, where's the owner? He's right here. Sir, the master has need of a room. You got the room. Where's the room at? Actually, I do have an upper room. Him having a room available for 13 men that's already furnished is a miracle on top of a miracle on top of a miracle. Finding the one room in Jerusalem, the day of the Passover, that is fully furnished with nobody in it, is a miracle on top of a miracle on top of a miracle. You finding that one car that fits you, that no one has bought yet, that's discounted in the right place, is how God works with the people who serve him. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. So this is how this thing opens up. The Last Supper opens up with... Can you imagine Judas is losing his ever-living mind? He's a preparer. He, he, I mean, he, like we, th think about the guys who are very detailed, like Jesus, when are we going to get a room? Jesus, where are we going? Oh, I got this. Don't worry about it. Right now, we just need to do the, the Father's business. Okay. Well, you ain't, we ain't going to have no Passover meal. We're going to be eating McDonald's. Not only that, but where do they find food to buy? Everyone's bought it all. And the Bible just skips past all of that. And it says, and when the hour came, Jesus and his, the apostles reclined at the table. The meal is there. The evening has come. They're all around this table. They're in a room that they shouldn't be able to be in. Come on, have you ever looked up and went, we should not be staying here right now. How did God get this happening? One time Jamie and I were ministering overseas somewhere, and they, somebody in the church had a nice little uh, Airbnb or a little room at a hotel or something. I forget which one it was. And we sat in this big fancy room. We're like... <laughs> Little old poor us. Come on, Jesus. How are we sitting? And we didn't like, I didn't know to tip everybody, the bellhop. I mean, and they're in this kind of like moment, like, wow. And they're eating the meal, and it says that they begin to recline. Now, none of the three gospels really record a lot that happens here, except for the book of John. So scholars all agree that Mark was written actually chronologically before Matthew. So it should go in order Mark, Matthew, Luke, John. John has written his gospel after these other three have already been written. And most scholars would agree that each one of them consecutively probably had access to the one before them. So they could use it somewhat as a pattern. John is a little older when he writes his gospel. And what he writes is 21 chapters. But he takes five of his 21 chapters to just simply record what happened at the Passover meal. What did Jesus talk about? 25% of what he wrote of all of Jesus' life and teaching, 25% of it comes from this moment at this meal right here, right there. 
It's the <clears throat> Last Supper, the Passover meal. Imagine if you had an opportunity with someone that you highly respect, and it's their last hours on earth, and they say, let's go out to dinner. I want to tell you some things. In fact, most scholars would agree that what he puts here in these five chapters are, are, are <clears throat> some of Jesus' most rich examples of what he wants his people to be, what he wants them to be involved in. So we'll call these five chapters with five topics. We're going to cover those five topics today. And then at the end of each one, five table questions to ask ourselves from the five topics. Now, I love that my family, every week we get together. My, I've got a, you know, my son's married, uh, my daughter wants to be married, and then my 15-year-old wants to be married as well. So anyway, so but... So getting them all together is a big deal because they have busy lives. Anybody with adult children know what I'm talking about. But every Monday, they come to my home. And it is, it is uh, you call my house, you're going to talk to a voicemail somewhere. Because on Monday nights, it's about my family. We sit around the table and we discuss things and we talk about things. In fact, we are so adamant about it because everyone in our family talks too much. That what we do is we said we said we started with five minutes and then and then Hank couldn't take it he doesn't talk that long so we dropped it down to two minutes we do a two minute timer go and you get to talk about whatever you want to talk about and we ask you a thousand questions over and then we go to the next person and there's a timer set it's clicking down has it has a little you know buzzer and then next person talks that's what we do in our family I want you to picture like this is your time with Jesus and you're at the table with him and he wants to really hone in. On what the rest of your life needs to look like as he summarizes his life on the planet and I want you to see the things that he does so let's start with the first thing that he really teaches his first topic so we're in John chapter 13 so so John covers 13 14 15 16 and 17 here's the five chapters of the Last Supper teachings and the Last Supper topics we're gonna call them Last Supper table topics his first big topic was your highest calling in life is to serve that was his first topic in chapter 13. In fact, he doesn't even start talking about it. He gets up from the table. He wraps a towel around him. He goes and gets the water basin. And he walks over to them. And they're all reclining. And they're talking and back and forth. And he starts washing their feet. Now, this would have blown their mind. This would have blown their mind. Because why? Because they were a part just days earlier of the triumphal entry. Prince Ali, worthy is he? And they're like, we're, we're going to be kings with Jesus. I'm going to take this city. I got this city. Judas, you can have that city. We don't like you, so you get the bad part of town. I mean, they are all thinking we are now in charge. And Jesus doesn't rise up. He doesn't rise up. And they're like, what's going on? What's going on? And he sits down with them. And he says, let me, let me model before I say anything what this thing is all about. And he starts washing their feet. He's washing their feet. And they're like, servants do that. That would be like the person that you have come and clean your house because you made it at some level that you don't clean house anymore. And th that way of thinking that this person, a king would never do that. In fact, that goes against culture. Like how can you be our king if you're doing the work of scrubbing the toilets, washing our feet? So they are blown away. They're having a moment here like what's going on? When he gets to Peter, Peter says, no, sir. No, sir, you cannot wash my feet. And Jesus says, if I don't wash your feet, then you have no part with me. And Peter, forever the quick pivoter, goes, then wash my whole head, my body, my God, my God. Come on, somebody. You may make a mistake, but just pivot quick. When you say something stupid, say, Lord, forgive me. Go ahead and wash everything about me. And so I want to pick up as he finishes washing their feet. Look what he says in verse 12 of John 13. When he had finished washing their feet, <clears throat> he, put his, uh, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. In other words, his seating place at the table. He says, do you understand what I've just done for you? He says, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightfully so, for that's exactly what I am. Now that I, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you also shall wash one another's feet. In the, in the, in the five topics that I'm going to cover here in the next hour or two, guys, I want you to know the most important thing about this whole thing called kingdom business, Christianity, is going to be about you and I serving one another. And I'm going to model it from the very beginning. I'm going to sow into your DNA what Christianity is supposed to be. Christianity is not about hierarchical structures. Come on, somebody. That's coming from the guy standing on the stage. We have modeled this church that we all are ministers of the gospel. That's why it frustrates me that you won't step into your calling and minister to other people alongside of us. 
because you're waiting for me to minister to you, and I just, that is not biblically accurate. I'm called, according to Ephesians, to equip you so you can minister to others. And this is why we have such an anemic church in America, because everybody's waiting to get ministered to. Who's going to minister to me? Who's going to minister to me? The Lord ministers to you. We take care of each other. We got each other's back. We minister to others. We have the life of God inside of us. The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead is in us. And we're sitting around like, I need hell, I need it. You do, and that's great, and we're going to help one another. But at the end of the day, they're not these hierarchical structure. First one to the bottom wins. That's what Jesus promotes. That's what he does. And he just starts washing their feet, and he continues on. He says, so, so I've modeled this for you. He said, I've washed your feet, and you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. That insinuates to me, if I do not do what he does, if I don't serve the way he serves, then I won't be blessed. Blessed just simply means favored. Just means favored. All of you have favored children. I don't because I'm a great Christian. <laughs> just kidding. But you do. You have your favorite restaurant. Why do you favor it? What do you like about it? And he says, you will have the like of God on you, the favor of God on you, if you'll just serve. It really comes down to just serving. He said, I don't know what to do, Pastor. Where do I serve? Well, I'm so glad you asked. This is why we do Grow Track here. If you're not going through our Grow Track, you don't know where to serve in this church. You don't really have good Christian friendship. We want to take you through the Grow Track so you can stop and go, you know what? I don't really like this church. I disagree with half the doctrines. And that helps you move on somewhere else so that we can move on with who we're supposed to minister to. No big deal. No harm, no foul. God bless you. You know, that's awesome. But if you don't go and you just date us for three years, have you ever had anybody date you for three years and then not marry you? Just soon shoot. And that's why we do Grow Track. So you can find your place to serve in this house, in this body, to use your gifts. We help you identify them. We take you through a, 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 you know, a, a way to figure out your giftings. And we take you through a little assessment. That's what I was looking for. So you can figure out like, oh, okay, cool. That's what I got. That's what I have to give. And if you don't know how to do that, here's a real simple thing I would teach you. Here's how I know how to serve or what to do with my servant calling. And that is find a need and fill it. Find a hurt and heal it. That should be a little saying. Find a need, fill it, find a hurt, and heal it. Here's a table talk question. You ready? Write this down. Here's a table talk question that I think you and I should be asking. If we were sitting there, here would be the question we would look up and I think we would ask ourselves. And that is, what can I do this week to intentionally serve someone else? What can I do? What can I do this week to intentionally serve someone else? And Jesus finishes that in chapter 13. And in chapter 14, he continues on with what I would call his second big topical lesson to him. Again, he's summarizing it all. He's ending it out. It's the last things he, he's going to get to say to his disciples, those following. It's the last examples he gets to set to us. And the second thing he, he brings forward is that, and, and here's how I summarize this, this, this table talk, or this point. When earth gets hard... Focus on heaven. So he's just told them in chapter 13. He just told them, I'm leaving, dude. I'm acting like a servant. I'm showing you. I'm going to die. You keep thinking that I'm not. You keep thinking I'm going to overthrow the Romans. It's not going to happen. They're getting a revelation right here and now. Whoa, he's not doing what we thought he was going to do. We misunderstood the kingdom of God versus the kingdoms of this earth. The natural way of thinking versus the supernatural way of thinking. You know, we, we, and so they're a little, they're a little like struck, like, like it's all coming together all the times he talked about serving. Now he's showing us he's, oh, they're starting to get it. And so picking up in John chapter 14, verse 1, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Because it's all over their face. They're like, what? You're leaving. What, what are we going to do? Can you imagine if, the, if, the, if you work for a small business and the owner of the small business says, I'm shutting it down. I'm out. Deuces. Your first question is like, what do we, what do I do? Where am I going to get my paycheck? I mean, he's been financing these guys. They haven't worked jobs. They've gone around from city to city and ministering. And, and it's coming to an end. He's making it real clear. It's coming to an end. And so they're troubled. He goes on, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you, uh, if it if that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Here's the thing I need you to understand. Jesus recognizes how, the kind of trouble that they're experiencing. He's recognizing that they're making in that moment life decisions like, oh my goodness. And they're being shook to the core of who they are. And instead of just saying, come on, you can do it. What he gives them is one of the greatest teachings of his entire ministry. And that is this. You're going to have trouble in this life. But guess what? You're going to have heaven. Stop looking at the trouble. And sometimes you just need to encourage yourself that heaven is my reward. That through all of this mess, it won't matter. Because at the end of the day, I'm going to spend forever and ever and ever and ever and ever with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's going to prepare a place for me. He says, in my Father's house, there's so many rooms. I'm making room for you. I'm building your space, dude. Don't worry about the troubles of this life. When they become overwhelming, don't put your eyes on that. Just remind yourself that at the end of it all, you'll spend eternity with me. Can I just tell you something? We see stuff stirring right now in the United States. I mean, people are losing their retirements. They're losing all because of, you know, stocks markets looks like it's about to crash. We're talking kind of interest rates out of the wazoo. People are nervous. And I would tell you, like Jesus told you, don't focus on the troubles on this earth. Remind yourself that heaven awaits you that no matter what happens in this old life it will come to an end this earth will pass away this earth will pass away this earth will pass away we're called in the time that we live in this earth to take care of it to minister to as many people as we can but you can be encouraged that you know what at the end of the day whether good bad or ugly this earth is going to pass away and you're not going to spend your life in brokenness and wickedness and in torture and in darkness because you're going to spend forever in eternity where he'll wipe every tear from your eye and he'll hold you in his loving arms and forever and ever and ever you'll be at peace joy you'll be a perfect perfect rest in the lord your god and so when you get trouble when you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this 17-year-old, remember heaven. Focus on, you know what? This is, in fact, the scripture says it like this, momentary light afflictions is what, is what the epistles calls it. It's going to come to an end. I was telling uh, Miss Lisa, one of my friends, uh, you know, we were talking about just briefly in the service this morning. I just said, you know what? I heard, I heard this years ago in the scripture where it says a thousand years on the earth is like one day in heaven. I said, you know, and I'm not making a doctrine of it, but I did the math on that one time. If a thousand years is like one day, then my 80 years of life on this planet is about 17 minutes of heaven time. So the person who died that I love so much, that died and went to heaven 20, 30 years before I get there, they will have only been, they've only have had five minutes in heaven. They will not have finished kissing Jesus and hugging him and turning around. Oh, there you are. Come on. I've been, we, we can't wait to see you. And so it is such a concept that we live in the now, and this is the big, this is all so big, it really isn't. In fact, this is nothing more than a dress rehearsal for heaven. Dress rehearsal for heaven. You and I get to spend forever and ever. So when you get overwhelmed, pause your life and look up like Jesus told him to do. And he says, listen, don't be troubled because I go to prepare a place for you. I got you in the palm of my hand. I'm not going to let anything destroy you. In fact, I love that the old timers used to sing songs like, I don't know, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. They would sing that everywhere. All those kinds of They focused on heaven because they understood a truth that this world's going to pass away. And everything we're so full of worry and anxiety about, it won't matter. And 100 years, 30 years, it won't matter. We have heaven as our reward. Can you encourage yourself with that? Say yes. And so here's, here's the, the table question that might, you might would ask yourself. Who can I encourage right now? There's some believer that's frustrated and overwhelmed. Who can I just say, you know what? I know you're overwhelmed, but don't be troubled. Jesus is preparing a place for you. It'll all be worth it in the end. He will not abandon us. Do you believe that? Say yes. He goes into this whole teaching about how we're actually better together. Which goes against everything in our nature. Because we're all, especially as Americans, especially as Texas Americans. Right? Bless God, they don't get it right over there in the federal government. We're going to have our own nation right here. We'll succeed. Our flag flies as high as the American flag. We don't need them bunch of numbers. We succeed. You know what I mean? I mean, we're independent around here. And Jesus says, ooh, hey guys. Look what he says. He talks about first dependence on, each, uh, on him and the Father. John chapter 15, verse 4. Remain in me, and I'll remain in you. No branch can.
unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, we can do nothing. And that's where he moves into, listen, you've got to stick with me because you've got to bear fruit because I expect you to bear fruit. He actually goes on and teaches because anything that doesn't bear fruit has to, be, has to be cut down and thrown into the fire. Because Jesus bore fruit. Jesus touched people. He helped people. In his life, he ministered to people. And because we're in him, we will bear fruit. We'll help and minister to people. He says, and if you're not, then somehow you've gotten unplugged from me. So you need to remain in me. Stay with me. Stay together with me. And then he expands that. If you'll move down to chapter, uh, uh, verse 12, he says, and my commandment is this to you guys. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. So he gives this whole big piece in chapter 15. Look, you're better together. You're better with me. Stick with me even though you don't see me. You're better with me. You're, you're, you'll bear fruit if you stick with me, and you guys are better together. You can, you, can, you, you can bear more fruit together than you can as individuals. I know you're going to have a tendency to want to be independent, Peter, and do it your way. But you need to keep John close. You need to keep, you, you need to keep Matthew close. You need to stay in there close with each other. You've got to have each other's back. I'll command, in fact, I give you a command. Love each other like you saw how I loved you. You've got to do it together. And listen, loving one another in the church is tough, isn't it? Somebody say amen. Because some of y'all are prickly. You just prickly. It's hard to hug you. You get all stabbed. It's hard to be in a relationship with some of you. You're so broken. You always got I always got a problem. You're like, oh my God. Can you say anything positive? Life isn't that bad. You live in America. First world problems. You know? And so and so it's hard in loving one another. That's why he makes it a command. He says, My command is this: love one another. Love one another. And he says, But together, together you'll bear a lot of fruit. Can I just tell you, Hill City? Let me just tell you what you've been doing. We're not even, what are we, 17 weeks into the 2023? 17 weeks, something like that? Do you know we've already, we've already seen over 100 people come to Christ because of you, because of us, together, bringing our friends, neighbors, coworkers, they, people whose lives have been changed in the first quarter of this year because we're doing it together. Because we don't have some preacher dude that was like, he's the guy. He gets everybody saved. He gets everybody healed. He's the guy. Or that person's the guy because we're doing it together. Do you know how many miracles we've seen? We've already seen, we've already seen miracles after miracles in this first quarter. We can't even testify about all of it. God is doing so much in our midst. Because we're doing it together. Do you see these precious men and women who said, I'm in. I'll do it. I'll be on the team. I'll do it with you guys. Let's help people. You see what's happening? Together we'll bear a lot of fruit. By ourselves, he says, literally, we can bear no fruit outside of him. And I just want you to know, the great attack of the demonic forces that we see against the church right now, it's to sow disunity in the body of Christ. To get us peeling off from each other, getting mad at each other, getting offended at each other. And I tell people all the time, if you go to Hill City and we haven't offended you yet, keep coming. We're going to get you eventually. And everybody married knows what I'm talking about. That person sitting next to you, if you're married to them any length of time, has made you so mad that you thought, if I could get away with hiding the body, I would. But you made a choice to say, I love you, even though I do not like you right now. I, 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 listen, God... Commanded that I had to love everybody, but he didn't tell me I had to like everybody. That's why I make you turn to people and say, I like you, because I'm making you starting to break through some things. Because you get to choose who you like. But see, this thing of disunity, can I just tell you how the enemy works in disunity in the church? One of the first things he'll do is he'll send somebody to come over to you and say, you know, they just do not see the gifting on your life here. And you're better than this. You're holding the door at the church? You're better than this. Whew. And there's so much more for your life. There's so much more for you. What that is, is the exact same thing that Lucifer did in the garden. He said, you know why he doesn't want you to eat that fruit? Because there's so much more for you than just naming animals, running around naked. Like there's so much more for you. You could be like him and he knows it. That's why he don't want you to have the magical fruit. You, you're right. You're right. Every church that I've ever served at, there was always somebody, a group of people would come up to me and say, Man, you're a better preacher than the pastor. That's why he won't let you preach on Sunday. If you ever decide to start a church, I'm with you, just so you know. Because you're, you're better than that. you got better giftings than that. That is demonic. It's the original way that Satan got Adam and Eve to fall and therefore created all the mess that we're in. 
The moment that you're serving and you're just putting your, putting your heart out there and you say, you know what, I know I, I have, I, I run a business with 300 employees, but I'm happy to be back here in this kid's ministry just serving a little bit. Friend, can I tell you something? The moment that person starts sowing some seed of doubt and unbelief and disunity, you should look them in the eye and say, get behind me, Satan, in the name of Jesus. Because if Adam had done that in the garden, woo, we'd be living in paradise. But he didn't. That disunity got in, got in their heart, and they thought, well, you're right. We're better than this. I should be being treated better than this. This is terrible. And look, split, splinter, splinter. And he's been using the same tactic for thousands of years. And we're like, oh, you're right. We're just going to follow after that. He starts with, we're the servants of all. This is what Christianity is. Then he moves into, listen, when you get trouble, look to heaven. You're going to... It, it may be momentary and light afflictions, but it'll come to an end, and you'll spend forever in, with me with peace and joy. And then he moves them into, so you better stick it together. Stay together. Don't let the enemy get in there. So here's the table question I would ask, and that is, what's my part in this together thing? What's my part? If everyone on the team puts a finger to the weight and picks it up, we can do it with a finger. Instead of a couple people having to put all their effort and burning everyone out. The reason why churches burn people out? Because 20% of the people do all the ministry and 80% just sit and receive. We here at Hill City, we have flipped that. And we said, no, 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 no. We want to see 80% doing all the ministry, loving people, <laughs> casting out devils, healing the sick. I mean, this is your church. Let's do this thing. It, it's only as good as we are. Amen? And so with us doing that, then what we see is growth and maturity in you and us and those who are reaching. Here brings us to chapter 16 where he goes into his fourth big lesson. And this is his big lesson in chapter, in chapter 16. And I'll just summarize it like this. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit within you. So Jesus literally says, now I've told you to stay together. I told you you're going to have trouble. But let me give you my solution to all the difficulties you're going to have. I'm going to give you the Spirit of the living God. The Holy Spirit. My Father's going to send you the Holy Spirit. He's going to live in you. And he's going to correct you. He's going to train you. He's going to be there with you. I'm not abandoning you. In fact, one pastor says, he says, I'm not going to leave you like orphans. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm going to send you the comfort. And if I don't go, he can't come. And I love this whole concept. Jesus came in the form of a man. He could only be at one place at one time. The Holy Spirit can be all places at once. And so let's pick up right there in John chapter 16, verse 8. He says, and when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin. If I'm ministering and you get convicted, that's not my amazing words that I have somehow formulated as a great orator. I've been in some of the worst preachers in my life. Like, oh my God, this sucks. And the Spirit of the Lord be convicting me. Like, oh. Why? Because that's his job. And so when I even go to correct you as a pastor, I'm not looking to convict you. I'm looking to point something out to see if you have the Holy Spirit that will convict you about it. Because he, he convicts, not us. You're not going to get anybody saved. He gets them saved. He convicts them like you're, you're, like you're on the wrong path. So he will convict the world of sin, of God's righteousness, and of the coming judgment. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. This is why I don't fear being deceived. Because I got the spirit of the living God inside of me. And I ask him, Eric, guide me in the right truth. I know there's a lot of crazy people out there on YouTube, got all these followers, and they make sense of the Bible over here, but it's manipulative. Lord, guide me in all, he will guide you in all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. What will he do? He will tell you about the what? Oh, y'all are missing something. He will tell you about the what? I'm always, I, we don't make any decisions for your, for your tithe, for this church direction, that we hadn't sought the face of the Lord and asked the Holy Spirit to tell us where to go for the future pieces. Investments that we've made, things like that that we've done on behalf of this church, on behalf of this body, we've sought the Lord and asked the Holy Spirit to show us. And he has guided us and leaded us, and it has been so fun to follow him because he will tell you about the future. The Holy Spirit's voice Many times, it's drowned out by all the other voices in our life. So I teach you that there should be times throughout your day that you quiet all the other voices. Turn off the social media scanning, scrolling. Turn off the Fox News or the CNN or whatever you're into. And just say, Holy Spirit, speak to me because you're inside of me. I want you to guide me. I want you to lead me. In fact, when we come back, we're going to, after Easter, we're going to do a little bit of teaching on the person of the Holy Spirit so you can really grasp. So here's the table question that we should ask. What has the Holy Spirit been trying to say to me? Right there where you're sitting, you can ask, Holy Spirit, what have you been trying to say to me that I've just been missing? And then Jesus wraps it all up in chapter 17. 
Unbelievable what he does. He opens up chapter 17, John chapter 1, verse, uh, John chapter 17, verse 1. After saying all of this, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. And for the next few verses, we have one of the most beautiful, precious, recorded prayers that Jesus has ever prayed. That we have recorded. I mean, it is powerful. At some point he says, oh, Father, I just pray that they would be one, even as you and I are one. Because he, he's covering the topic point. I don't want him to get deceived, Father. Oh, he's such a deceptive devil out there. He's so manipulative. Lord, let them just stay one. If they'll stay one, then he won't be able to disunify them. And we can literally bear fruit and make all of this cross, sacrifice, have meaning. And make it, make it help change the world as other little Christians, Christ, arise, my disciples. Oh, the prayer is unbelievable. It's really impactful. In fact, then from there, when he finishes up the whole meal, what do they do? They go to the garden to pray some more. And he literally summarizes his big last topic teachings to his disciples with, you should pray. You should pray everywhere, every time that you can. And I, and I love what Bishop Jakes used to say. He said all the time. He said, the problem with most of you is you don't pray till you get into a problem situation. He says, and most of you wouldn't even have a prayer life if you didn't have difficulty. And I would challenge us to pray, pray before we get into difficulty. To make our requests known to the Father. To humble ourselves. Seek His face. And all the things. See, prayer needs to be our first response, not our last resort. You still there? Say yes. Prayer needs to be our first response, not our last resort. And so this would be the table question I would ask. What do I need to give to God right now in prayer? What have I just been carrying? And like, we don't know how we're going to do it. I don't know if I'll have a job. I don't know if we can pay the bills. Why is that your last response? Right now, you should be praying, Father, I don't know what to do, but I'm trusting you. And I know that you'll never leave me or forsake me. I know you carry me in the palm of your hand. I seek your face. You show me, Jesus, on what to do. Seek his face. Pray and seek the Lord. And this is how he summarizes that last big piece. So let's review for a second. Here's his five topics that he that for five chapters of the book of John. John's older. He's like, look, somebody didn't cover enough of what happened at the Last Supper. So he takes five chapters and he starts with number one: your highest calling is to serve others. Somebody say amen. Three of you, thank you. Here, number two: uh, earth gets hard, so focus on heaven. Somebody say amen. I'm gonna focus on heaven and all the difficulties that happen. I'm gonna let uh, uh, you know. And can I just go back and say this because I skipped this? If I know God. Earth is the closest to hell I'll ever get. It only gets better. If I don't know God, earth is the closest to heaven I'll ever get. It only gets worse. Focus on heaven. Here's the third big thing that he taught us, and that was we're better together. Somebody say amen. Turn to the person next to you and say amen. I'm better with you. And then number four, listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit within you. He will lead you. He will guide you. He'll tell you the future is what the scripture says. And then the last big piece was pray about everything. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand to your feet quickly, quickly. Stand to your feet. The road to the cross. This Lord's Supper is on Thursday evening. He's got 12 guys. In the middle of that, Judas gets up to go prepare to sell him out. And Jesus looks at his guys in the face. He says, let me start by modeling this for you, what I want you to know. Because serve one another. And he starts walking them through a summary of what really matters. I mean, we live in a nation where serving means weakness. But as Christians, we're part of a kingdom that's serving is greatness. It's the greatest thing we could ever do. It's great heroic power to be able to serve someone. And so you know what? I know who I am. See, the only way you can serve others is if you have your identity secure in Christ. It's not below me to wash your car. It's not below me to, to not fight back with you right now, but just love you. He gives these five pieces, and I think we all... So we're going through them and say, ooh, Jesus, how can, I, how can I follow the Holy Spirit better? Where can I serve better? How can I help someone this week? 
So here's what I want you to do. I want you to bow your head right where you're at. Close your eyes. I want you to remember these table questions. You'd be taking notes if you knew. If you had a good relationship with your father and he, this is the night before he was going to pass and he was going to download all his wisdom. You'd take notes. You'd probably record it on your phone so you could go back and listen to it. Well, John recorded it for us. He recorded the great wisdom of Jesus' last big teachings with his disciples. I don't know about you, but I'm motivated. I'm inspired that Christianity's really boiled down to these big five teaching pieces. Follow the Holy Ghost. Pray about all things. Serve my fellow man. I need to be in a team. I'm better with others around me and me and them than by myself trying to do this thing out there as an island. It's going to get tough, and it has. But if I'll just look up to the heavens and remember he's preparing a place for me, it's all going to be worth it. Here's what I want you to do. With your head bowed and your eye closed, which of these really spoke to you? That's a now moment for you. Which of these said to me, you know, Father, I've really, I've gotten out of the habit of serving others. I've been so focused on surviving with this business that I just, I don't think I've done anything servant-wise for anybody else. May the Lord speak to you in this moment, show you someone that you can go be a blessing to, that you can go love on. Maybe you've gotten out of habit of listening to the Holy Spirit, so many voices in your mind, so much stuff, so many podcasts, you're hearing everybody else's voices, you can't hear the Spirit of the Lord speaking to you. I would challenge you, quiet, quiet yourself today at some point, just Holy Spirit, show me what's up, show me what's going to happen, show me what I need to do, correct me, convict me of sin righteousness there's somebody in this room that second thing that Jesus told him was so critical for you you've gotten so overwhelmed with the troubles of life that it's literally changing your personality <clears throat> you're struggling to smile or be kind and the word of the Lord to his disciples 2,000 years ago is still the word of the Lord to his disciples 2,000 years later focus on heaven focus on heaven focus on heaven. You'll spend forever with me. These are light troubles. You can make it through. Just know that the end of it all, there's a great reward. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for amazing men and women that I get to do life with, that love you, Jesus, that we can learn together. Lord, I'm doing my best to equip them so that they can heal the sick, raise the dead, so that they can keep their marriages together. I'm doing my best, Lord God, to show them how it is to walk with the Holy Spirit like I've learned to do and, and how much He's how much you, Holy Spirit, have just carried me over every, <coughs> every trial, every tribulation. You just launched me through them and passed them. And, and yeah, there's scars and difficulties, but they're beautiful. Lord, I just ask you now, ask you now to fill our hearts with trust that you are guiding us, that the Holy Spirit is in us as believers. And Jesus, I just ask you that, Lord, we become men and women of prayer again. But Lord God, that before we sit around talking bad about it, we'd say, you know, let's stop right there. Let's just pray over this right now. Let's just ask the wisdom of heaven right now. Let's just cover this and bathe this in prayer. Jesus, I just ask you now to completely the work. I can't imagine what those 11 men were sitting there looking you in the eye after Judas has left. And you've downloaded these truth bombs into their soul and the awe in which they're looking at you and then over into the garden of Gethsemane as they process it so overwhelmed with it they literally begin to fall asleep Jesus I just ask you as we celebrate your resurrection in days to come that we would also celebrate your great teachings there at the last supper Lord I bless you and I thank you would you keep your head bowed and your eye closed for I died today I don't think I'd go to heaven I understand exactly your position but I got such good news for you Jesus didn't matter into this space and if I had to guess you probably haven't been serving the Lord just because you got distracted probably because maybe you didn't really understand but let me tell you what the Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is the Christ the son of the living God that he'll forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness that so encourages me because he doesn't say we have to give money to the church to be forgiven don't have to crawl on our knees light candles to be forgiven 
confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts. So easy. He said, Pastor, that sounds so easy. I know because all the heavy lifting he did to. every eye closed if that's you say pastor it's me it's time I got to get right with God I got to repent of my sins I need to ask Jesus into my life I need to let him be the Lord of my life I need to confess him as my Lord and Savior with no one looking around I want to pray with you I'm going to pray with you right where you're at I'm not going to call you forward I'm not going to point you out the cameras are not going to zoom in on you this is deep this is private and this is eternal but you have to admit your own sin to yourself and then call upon the Lord and ask him to forgive you. And I'd like to lead you in a prayer of repentance like that. A prayer of dedication. With no one looking around. If you say, Pastor, that's me. Lead me in a prayer of repentance. I want to make myself, I want to make myself available for Jesus to be my Lord. I want to repent. If that's you with no one looking around, would you slip your hand up so I know who I'm praying for quickly across the room? Okay, yeah. Okay. Amen. I see you. I'm a, uh, yeah, amen. We're going to pray this together. God's going to forgive you and make you new right in your heart. Amen. You can put your hands down. Now, I'm going to lead you in this prayer, prayer of repentance. I'd like everyone in the audience to pray this prayer out loud. Repeat it with me. But those who lifted your hand, I need you to mean it. I need you to forget about anyone else in the room. I need you to pretend as though you're sitting across the, 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 the table at Starbucks with Jesus, and you're looking deep into his eyes. You can see the, the nails in his hand, and you call upon him to be your Lord and Savior. I want you to pray it like that, like that's happening right here, right now. Say it like this. You ready? Jesus, today, I admit that I'm a sinner and I recognize that I've sinned against you but here and now I repent of my sins I ask you to forgive me I turn away from my sin I change my mind Jesus I belong to you thank you now for filling me with your Holy Spirit write my name in your book of life I'm yours forever say it again I'm yours forever in the name of Jesus Keep your head bowed for a moment. Father, I pray right now, peace would overtake those who prayed like that, who called upon your name. There'd be peace inside their heart that they now can say, you know what? No matter what happens, I'm going to spend forever with Jesus. If this earth burns down, if we end up being overthrown by communists, whatever happens, I'm going to be with Jesus forever in eternity in heaven. Father, I pray that you would surround them with some good Christian friends. Lord, I pray that they would find... They would find the, the joy that comes from knowing, you know what, no matter what happens, I'm saved. God loves me. And Lord, I pray that they would understand that love in a deep way. And Lord, I thank you for their lives. And I declare they'll never be the same in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Can we applaud how good God was to us today? He's so good. Hey, before you go, we got a couple of our... Hey, thank you for joining us online here at Hill City. We're so honored that you would take the time to join us remotely and to celebrate the goodness of Jesus. I hope that word spoke to you. I hope that you were blessed today, and I hope that you are encouraged to go forth in the confidence of Jesus this week, wherever you are. If you made a decision today uh, to serve Jesus for the first time, we want to celebrate with you. Would you text DECIDED to 469 606 2684 and uh, we want to respond and again just connect with you and celebrate the beginning of an amazing discipleship journey with Jesus don't forget next week we are here again same place same time nine o'clock and 11 and until then we hope you have an amazing week